So, um, all right, so I'm going to uh, do my snappy thing, and then I'll, I'll do a little intro, and we can kind of just chat. Yeah. That uh, sounds good. All right. <laughs> all right. Snap, 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 snap. Snap. Oh, snap. When you're a jet, you're always a jet. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm getting a little bit of echo, which is a little bit distracting. But anyway, this is... Uh, this is going to be Deadpan Episode 270... What? Seven? 70-something? Really? Yeah, it's, it's getting up there. Yeah, we're getting we're getting near the end. Oh, boy. It's almost 288, but uh, the other voice you hear on the line is a man who's going to take over and do 288 more episodes of the deadpan. Yep. It's, it's going to be the uh, uh, retro's Night of the Living Undead pan. <laughs> right. Or, or the Rhett pan, for sure. Yeah, the yeah. Rhett pan. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm, I'm here with Rhett, and, you know, he and I wanted to... We wanted to chat metal before the end of uh, the end of days, but you know we want. There's more to life than metal. Blasphemy, I know, but um, <laughs> we wanted to. Uh, so you know we have our devil horns in the air, and uh, I'm sitting in the middle of a pentagram right here. But when, <laughs> you got all your candles lit. Right, exactly. My uh, <laughs> my my assless chaps are on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still trying to put on these uh, Dayglow spandex, and they don't fit quite like they used to. <laughs> a little snug. Right. You use some hairspray. You know, you've yeah. got tons in your hair right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we just hit on all the worst stereotypes, too. So, oh, um, I know. So, anyway, so, um, so anyway, so you know, Rhett and I, actually, I, I consider Rhett a pretty good local friend. He's an, an Arizonan like me, but, you know, I, I think, hopefully, well, hopefully, after this is done, you know, we'll... Our kids will continue to hang out occasionally, and we'll continue to kind of hang out and, you know, get get like uh, Freddy's custard and steak burgers and that kind of thing, you know, here in town. Um, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, when the show ends, uh, that uh, it, it's not like we never talked to each other again. That would be kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, Jack, I can't take your call. I mean, you're not doing shows anymore, so. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I have no more use for you, right? Without you know, I need I needed your numbers, but without that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, b- big numbers, I'm sure. <laughs> well, once upon a time, um, yeah, you know when we all thought the podcasting was was the future. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna get into ham radio after, <laughs> after 288. Um, so anyway, so you know again, um, but you know, right, just like everyone out there, just like you listening right now. I mean, we've we've. We all kind of bonded through these these same common interests, you know. Of course, of course, sci-fi, good sci-fi, yep. um, you know. Uh, and of course, around deadpan, we we also found a lot of um, mutual musical interests. Even those who don't like metal the way that Rhett and I do. I mean, we did find a right. lot of uh, a lot of common ground musically. Like, actually, I know that you're a huge um, Peter Gabriel fan and Kate yeah. Bush. Oh, big. Big time, Peter Gabriel, Kate Bush, and then some types of uh, folk music I really like, and and some of the things that you've uh, turned me on to that weren't uh, necessarily metal, like uh, uh, How to Kill Angels. I've been really digging that. All oh, right, the Trent Reznor's post yes. Nails. Yeah. Yep. Um, good stuff. 
Yeah, you know, of course. I mean, there, as I said, there is way more. Although, with Kate Bush, I mean, what the fuck is up with that rubber band song? I mean, what what's going on with that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more of a, I guess, Army Dreamers kind of a guy. <laughs> you know, the Army Dream, you know. <laughs> well, actually, it, it's kind of... Uh, it, Kate Bush was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, I don't... Don't know if, we, if we're just going to jump right into all this or not, but um, wherever you know, let's let the conversation take us wherever we yeah, want to. This, because, this is going to be very free form, so apologies up front because we'll probably be jumping. I was hoping to do kind of like a chronological talk, and we can kind of talk about. Uh, well, let's do that we, then. We'll get we'll get to the bush. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> we'll make it there. All <laughs> right. Well, we have time, you know. The, there's a saying somewhere about one in the hand. and It's something. <laughs> so, all right, well, everyone out there, remind us that we've got to get back to Kate Bush before we're done. Um, yeah, there's there's lots to there's lots to cover. But I, mean, I guess what what were your musical roots then? You know, as a as a kid, I mean, I certainly didn't start out listening to to Slayer. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, I I have kind of. A, there's two basic moments that kind of shaped the type of music that I listened to. Um, one was uh, when I was like 12 years old, and my, I have an older brother that's seven years older than me. Um, he got like his first job, and then he bought a uh, a Toyota four-wheel drive truck that he was really proud of. And uh, he got a cassette player, and he decided to buy like 10 cassettes of, of music, you know, to play in his truck. It was, just, mm-hmm. it was sort of like, almost like a new beginning for him, you know. He, he was, you know, he had his own car, his, his truck that he wanted, and and so he was just, you know, trying some new things, and, and so he bought, like, um, nine cassettes of music, and, and he likes country music, which I didn't really care for, and and I think he had some journey, and you know this, this is way back in the eighties, right? And uh, but one of the things that he he bought was uh, I think it was Great Gonzo's, you know, the best of Ted Nugent. Okay. And and uh, it, and that kind of you know it, it changed my perspective on, on 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 what kinds of music that I found interesting. It's like the the guitar solo in. Um, Oh, like Dog Eat Dog or uh, Stranglehold. Stranglehold, that's what I was trying to think of. Right, Stranglehold it's, it's, is, it, yeah, it's it's pretty, it's, I mean, very um, kind of melodic and, and not just, you know, just some guy out there, you know, throwing random stuff out. It has real structure and form. And so I, that was really kind of a turning point uh, for me. And then I had uh, uh, another a friend about the same in the same class that I was in, and he totally started getting into music, and and uh, so he got Van Halen, and he was really into the Grateful Dead, and and so those sort of things. It, it, it was sort of the end of the '70s, and we were all, you know, all my friends, we were all so tired of disco. You know, you turn on on the radio, and it's just like, boy, there used to be like rock and roll on on the you know things that would get you moving, and then there was just a lot of just, you know, studio-built disco 
you know, right. music, and it's like, well, well where, where's other forms of music? So there, it was kind of like um, you couldn't even escape like disco. Vacuum. You know, you couldn't even escape right. by listening to Kiss. Right. <laughs> so, so it's basically kind of the absence that sort of built up this this hunger for for new things, and and it, it the early '80s that. Um, you know, when Def Leppard came on and at kind of the beginnings of hair metal, you know, before it just went totally, you know, off the rails. But at that point in time, it was kind of like it coming out of disco and, and there was all these new groups. And and uh, I was in the age group that was kind of at the forefront of that movement, although I didn't know it at the time. I was just like, oh, finally, there's something, you know, halfway rock and roll on the radio. That's, that's halfway good. Mm-hmm. So So that would be... I guess the starting point. And then the ending point of that would be, you know, kind of coming through the, um, the early nineties where, uh, the radio stations had kind of, you know, whatever was selling, you know, they would try to find somebody that sounded exactly like that person. And then they put lipstick and, and uh, plastic coats on them and, you know, push them out there and, and, and try to sell, uh, you know, the next thing. And then I kind of started to lose interest in, in that, and then I kind of fell back into more classic rock. And then they, you know, the grunge movement happened. And and I like some grunge, but I didn't really, uh, it, it didn't really grab me like, you know, the early, early metal did. And then right. I just sort of, you know, kind of gave up a little bit on music for a while until uh, like probably the late 90s. And then, then they, when the internet happened, and then I rediscovered, you know, what other people were doing. You are listening to Jack Jackman's Deadpan. We are Deadpan. Deadpan is the way. And that was when you found Nevermore, wasn't it? Late nineties. Yeah. Well, I, I before I found Nevermore, um, one of the groups, you know, of course you know this. Uh, one of my favorite groups coming out of the eighties was Iron Maiden. And uh, when I think in in 1990, I want to say 97 or 98, I was looking to see um, you know what those guys were up to because I hadn't listened to Maiden since like 93 or something, mm-hmm. and uh, found that uh, Bruce Dickinson had left and done all these solo albums, and I was like, well, I'd, I'd like to get um, I'd like to hear what he's doing because I always liked his voice. And I bought a solo album, Accident of Birth. I think I joined one of those Columbia tape clubs or whatever. You get you know, 13, 13 tapes for a dollar. Of course, it costs you $5 for postage on every one that they send you. Right. And you're still locked in that contract, right? Exactly. To this day, 2013. Yeah. Yeah, I get this Helen Reddy album I need to send back to them. But... Uh, uh, but but anyway, I, I kind of got all these tapes, and then I sort of forgot about them. You know, I was like, oh well, I should listen to this, and then and I sort of kind of put it on the back burner. And I was at this job where they actually let you listen to music while you were drafting. I was working at this architecture firm, mm-hmm. and uh, so I started listening to some of it. And then I was browsing the internet, and you know, discovered these metal websites, and came to discover that uh, this Bruce Dixon album that I owned was voted like the top metal album of, of that year. And I was like, really? And I never really you know, just listened to it. 
mm-hmm. you know, re- really seriously. I mean, I think I listened to parts of it and, and, and put put it back in the cover and then listened to some of the other things that I was more interested in. And then I went back and listened to it. And it took a couple spins, and I was like, you know, that is, like, really good. And it's it has – it was different. At the time, it was different because it, it wasn't hair metal, but it was – and it wasn't just, you know, a copy of Iron Maiden, but it was sort of like Iron Maiden with kind of modern, uh, a, a modern point of view. I mean, it, it, the troubles were turned down. It, it was more bass-driven. Right. And, uh, and uh, Yeah, he's always been a little bit more progressive than, uh, yeah. than the other guys. In fact, during their, their kind of cranky-at-each-other split time, he had said, you know, Steve Harris is kind of stuck in a rut. was one of the things I think he had said when, yeah. when there were... They never got bitter like Pink Floyd bitter, but you know they right. sniped, they sniped a little bit. They, they did a little bit. I, I remember um, Bruce saying that he left when when Iron Maiden became a parody of itself, and mm-hmm. he wanted to try some new things. And then you know later they they got back together and, and made some good good albums. But but it was kind of a turning point for me because it was like wow this is you know it, it in my mind it was like if people could hear that on the radio maybe you know. There were the, the style of music would actually be different because it was kind of like instead of trying to homogenize different forms of music, you know, like hip hop, you know, and then there's nothing against hip hop, but when hip hop was so big, there's kind of an idea of trying to make everything sound like hip hop. If you were making a country album, it's like, well, you know, if you put some hip hop in it, we could sell across, you know, a larger demographic, you know, and, and I think those kinds of ideas, you know, were within a, you know, a lot of the, the heavier music at the time, too, where they were trying to take popular ideas at the time or or um, trends or whatever whatever was current. And then, um, you know, adding these other elements, you know, and not like seamlessly, but just kind of like tacking them on so they could add have that label on it so they, mm-hmm. they could generate sales. And I think... That was kind of what they called new metal had either artificially or I'd say um, like a band like Korn, I would say that it was legitimately they're 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 influenced by it. But a band like Limp Bizkit, I would say they were just artificially, you know, grafting it on to make a product. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that viewpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Not not to be a metal snob or anything, because there's all, you know, like like you said at the beginning, there's all sorts of uh, excellent forms of music that that aren't metal. Mm -hmm. But it, it just. It was one of the things that kind of got under my skin in terms of, you know, that this is like for sales. I mean, they're, they're just trying to grow their demographic. That doesn't say anything musically, you know. That that was interesting, but uh, but that was really the gateway to to me, you know, discovering discovering Nevermore because the website that had that had ranked um, Bruce Dickinson, you know, was like a few months away from. Their next round of you know, top albums and, and Nevermore, uh, Dreaming Neon Black was at the top of that. And I was like, well, I had such good luck uh, last time when they recommended you know Bruce Dixon. Maybe I should track down this Nevermore and see what they're about. And I think I ended up downloading uh, one of their songs, Narcosynthesis, and, and thought, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> and it wasn't until I'd listened to it, you know, in rotation, you know, like ten or ten or more times before it kind of sunk in. Like, well, you know, I actually kind of like that song, and maybe you know I should buy that album, mm-hmm. and which I eventually did. 
and kind of had the same reaction, like, yeah, that, that's pretty good. And, and then, uh, then I had like, uh, there was one moment when I was actually really listening. I, it, I'd gotten familiar enough with the songs where I could anticipate the different parts and it wasn't just, you know, random noise. I mean, I could hear the structure in it that I heard the end of, uh, we disintegrate and there's this whole kind of kaleidoscope, kaleidoscope of sounds that happens, uh, with this, um, Indian kind of sitar sounding guitar and this kind of heavy, uh, single note, you know, heavy metal note that's like, and the World Danes kind of singing across the top of it, and then there's uh, the drum hits, which sound kind of like bombs in the distance, but it's all very orchestral, can't talk, (laughs) very, very melodic, and very, you know, there's, there's lots of layers, and then I was like, Wow, that all comes together as a seamless whole. You know, there, there wasn't anything that was competing. It was all, you know, very thought out. Uh, all the melodies fell in line. And then I was like, this is genius. But I'd, I'd heard that song, you know, like several times before it just, it dawned on us. It's like I, I, I got it, like all at once. It was just like, wow, this is, you know, really, really good. Right. And then, yeah. and then I started to go back to the catalog and, and getting all the older albums and, and that's how they became my favorite band. <laughs> yeah, something, and I'd say that their their music was the same way for me. I mean, not the same degree as as you, but yeah, I'd say that their music it, it does take some some listens to kind of appreciate what's what's going on there. Um, right. And you know, I I think a lot of that goes to the guitar player Jeff Loomis, who uh, who you and I have seen independently yep. of Nevermore. We've seen him do a solo tour. Yep. Um, so what, I mean, I I don't want to derail you know you. You obviously have a lot to say about this. I don't want to derail, so please no. charge on ahead. But I, I, well, well, I have a question, so let me throw out okay. the question, and then you know you can answer the question and keep and then keep going because you got a good head of steam here. But I mean, what do you think about is it is about just about the heavy music in general? I mean, you can you can be specific to Nevermore or Maiden or whoever, but what do you think it is about the heavy music that that drew you? You know, as opposed to when you're riding around in your brother's truck, cause, right. You know, and when. when all my exes live in Texas was right. not as appealing to you as uh, Wango Zitango. Yeah, I well, I always thought it was because I'm my personality is so laid back that you know I, it's like okay, I need you know three cups of coffee and I need you know I I, I need this level of in, intensity you know maybe it's ADD I don't know, <laughs> but it's it's some level of intensity that that kind of um, that grabs me emotionally and makes me kind of stand up and go, wow, as opposed to things that, you know, that might seem more common, you know, just like you have, there's a lot of songs that, that go on and, and it, and it's, you know, about, you know, common things that you, which, which is fine. I mean, you, you deal with, you know, deep, you know, common things that, that have, you know, real meaning on a day-to-day basis, but you're an encounter, you encounter them, you know, frequently, and then, but metal music isn't about, you know, the thing that's common. It's it's about, you know, this, like, very dramatic, you know, kind of point of view or, you know, it's it's it, it's it just, it, it can't be ignored. I mean, it's just in your face, you know, grabbing your attention and, you know, and throwing you on the ground and jumping on you. I mean, it's, it's. You turn down like, that noise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Well, and then it, 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 there's a you know a valid point to be made about uh, you know some people just aren't wired necessarily to to respond to that. You know, it maybe it's just it's too much stimulation, and then they can't they can't parse out the individual pieces that are you know that are real music. You know, it just comes across as you know, you know somebody with a chainsaw. You know, kind <laughs> of a effect. Literally, in the case of Jackal. Exactly. Well, and one point, again, I'm I'm just going to throw in one quick point to that. I think opera is the same way. I think opera is very overbearing, and, you know, the voice is so overbearing of of your typical opera singer that it's it's jarring and kind of, at least for us us contemporary listeners. But I I think, of course, there are operas I like, but... You know, it does take some seasoning to get through it. You do have to kind of get accustomed to it. You have to kind of grow into it. And I'd say that metal could certainly be the same thing if it doesn't immediately appeal to you. I mean, as Rich Catino and I have said on here, I think there is a metal. There's metal for everyone. I mean, there is something out there, no matter how how turned off you are by the by metal. I mean, you know, Slayer is certainly not for everyone, but I mean, you no. can. But there. There's some flavor of metal that that will work for you, and I have more to say about that. But you know, okay. but now back to Red. <laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, which uh, Helen Ruddy song I wanted to talk about next. Um, <laughs> there's a Helen Ruddy for everyone too. <laughs> there's always Helen Ruddy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I I basically agree with that. I mean, I there's so many different you know forms of of, of heavy metal. And in fact, it, it's kind of a joke actually in 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 metal circles because they say you know, that they'll, people will listen to different forms of metal and then they'll try to categorize it and like, well, maybe this is progressive, melodic, death, you know, thrash with a hint of you know whatever, you know, pirate metal or something. <laughs> But uh, but there really is uh, different. There's like the really you know guitar laden you know music you know, like or death metal where you, you can't understand a word that they're saying and 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 the and the screaming is is basically like a percussion instrument. It's just meant to add to. It's almost like instrumental music in a sense because it's just noise right. in the background that that supports something. And then like I was uh, earlier I was. Uh, on YouTube, listening to what is it, the Diablo Swing Orchestra. Have you ever heard of them? I've heard of them. I don't know if I've heard their music. It's yeah, it, it, it's definitely worth looking up because it's, it's got kind of a swing style, but it's with like metal guitars. Okay. And and, and it stops, and then and, and the woman sings just like she was in like a '50s swing band, but you know the the guitar is you know distorted and. And it it's, it sounds unique. I mean, it's it, it's definitely different. So it's, I mean, it, it is really is true. I mean, whatever your, um, what whatever grabs you musically, you could probably find some element of that in in metal. And and there's you know different levels of heaviness. You know, there's there's not just the screaming at your face level. You know, there's 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 softer aspects too. Sure. Yeah. I, I, of course, there are some that have, you know, some. Uh, well, most. I guess not most, but there, there are definitely some 
some metal vocalists out there who have who have uh, you know incredibly melodic and incredibly pretty voices you can almost say and a lot of and there's a lot of incredibly talented metal vocalists and I think you know and that's, for a lot of people I think that's the that's the main turnoff is the the harsh vocals the vocal <laughs> the vocals are either too growly you know too much of the Cookie Monster right. roaring yeah. thing or too screechy I think that that's you know that's that's generally, I think, what turns people off the most. Um, yeah, that's true. And then there's also, um, well, there's a lot of tropes, and in, in, in especially earlier metal. You know, everybody does that that hair metal scream. You know, yeah, you know. And that, actually, I got to jump in. I'm sorry. I got to. I'm gonna. <laughs> I got to jump in because I want to. This is a point I've been wanting to make for like two years. Is that <laughs> just along these lines? So hold your thought. I got. I have okay. to. Everyone out there right now, you know, I don't care if you're at work, you know, you have to go um, and check out the video for Boys Are Gonna Rock by Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Vinnie Vincent was, uh, he was a member of KISS, but he left for whatever reason. And the video is basically, except like, there's no Satanism, but otherwise it's basically every last thing that people found repulsive about metal. It's really, it has, you know, the... Like the screamy, screechy—it's actually Mark Slaughter, but he's he's screeching his head off yeah. in vocals. So there's like you know, that's, that's right. I forgot he was he was the vocalist for Vinnie Vincent's Invasion, right? He, yeah, before he went on to his own you know kind of glam stardom. But really, right. just watch the video and almost tab just really just tabulate all the things in that video that that are just the classic stereotypical things that pe- that drove people away. You know, in droves. I can only imagine because, of course, that was on the '80s. In the '80s, we kind of embraced most metal things. I can only imagine how my, you know, old-fashioned pre-boomer parents and my friends' parents reacted to seeing all these things. You know, the guy dressed in lace, screaming, and with the atonal guitar solo, and knocking amps down. It's just anyway. That, so, Vinnie Vincent Invasion, boys are gonna rock. You must YouTube it immediately. All right, that's I, I've said it. <laughs> okay, give me a moment. I'm gonna look this up right now. <laughs> no, well, but that 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 uh, that's kind of the point, though. I mean, I I think there's 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 examples of of metal that it's either been either been overplayed or overrepresented, and it just kind of you know gets under people's skin, and then they and then they just kind of place card that in the back of their minds. And like, if somebody says metal, then, then that's the thought that comes up, you know, and it's like, Ooh, <laughs> you listen to that, you know, <laughs> why do you want to do that? And, and I, and I don't necessarily blame, blame them for that. I mean, I, I probably have, if, if I didn't really know the scene, you know, or, or many different examples as I do, I, I probably have the same reaction. It's just like, but there's so many other things going on in the background, uh, uh, that um, it it I, th- I think if, if people that are really interested in music uh, and especially if they, if they have a tolerance for for um, just more challenging stuff I think that they definitely could find something that that they would like you know yeah I, I certainly agree I think um, I think it it's one of the most I think metal songwriters, and of course this is an absolute generalization because there are people who are pushing the envelope on every, no matter what form of music you're talking about, whether you're talking about Skrillex even. I mean, you can, right. you, can you know, call them 
mock me however you want. That kid, that kid's a genius, and what he did with that music was was very innovative and brilliant. But, um, but yeah, I think I think people like I, I mean, just since we talked about him earlier, Jeff Loomis. But I think these are these are people that are really pushing the envelope on what can be done yeah. with a guitar. And and you're right, and and I think um, it is. I think it's very uh, ambitious because I think that the the scope has always been very. Very, very large, and um, you know, there's been a, a, a lot, a lot of it's keyed on you know, kind of pushing the limits and pushing even the limits of, of imagination. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of science fiction element to science to, oh. to to metal, and there has been since really since Black Sabbath really kind of defined metal. Um, you know, of course, metal has touched on sci-fi they've had sci-fi and horror has really been there and fantasy has really been there since the beginning and it continues to be not the only thing metal is about but right. it's it's a, it's a common common theme oh yeah i mean especially you get into iron maiden well you you find out that a lot of these guys are are uh, are big readers and i know bruce dixon of iron maiden you know likes you know he, well obviously he liked dune because he he wrote um, <laughs> I think was it to tame a land. What which one is it about the dune? Yeah, to tame a land to is. Tame a land is is about, you know, you hear him singing about the freemen and. <laughs> right. And, and you know, and, and what's funny about that? I, I think I, I was actually familiar with that song before I was familiar with Dune, and then I didn't <laughs> didn't really understand the songs like the freemen. What the what the hell's this? <laughs> yeah. Same with me. Yeah. I, 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 and later, later on, you know, then I had some friends that were like, "Oh, this is great!" And like, "Oh," and then I, then I got it. But I mean, there, there's, you, you can find examples of that, you know, all over. And and then plus, you know, beyond just you know, uh, music based on um, you know, like sci-fi books. I mean, there's also kind of you know bizarre sci-fi themes too. Um, I, I was going back. One of the things I did today, I was trying to listen to to some of my back catalog of stuff just to kind of get into the mindset. And I I found this older uh, uh, Bruce Dixon solo album, and there's one song on there called "Solar Confinement." And I'm I'm pretty sure the song is about him being this entity, and they and I I don't know if he's a uh, a bolivian, or a, you know, an, an, a violent entity, but these people like trap him inside the center of the sun. I mean, that's that's the theme. <laughs> so he's this monster, and then and this the society, you know, somehow develops this technology to trap him in the center of their sun, so he can't uh, do any more harm. And the title of that song, Solar Confinement. I'm, you, you usually don't, you know, when you're flipping top 40 radio, <laughs> that's not, you know, a common common idea that you come across. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the latest Justin Timberlake album was actually yeah. <laughs> something. Yeah, I think you're getting them confused, actually. I'm pretty sure yeah, that was. Maybe. maybe might have been Kelly Clarkson. Hey, Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, what's in it? You're listening to Jack Mangot's Deadpan. Deadpan is the way. But uh, I, there's definitely, you know, some, uh, some. There's, there's a lot of storytelling, and there's, uh, you know, just about from however you you can present 
stories or poetry or parable. Uh, there's usually a group that that rep- represents that. Yeah, and, and you know, I would what I would say also is, is all the things that that I love about heavy metal, I'd say, are present in other forms of music that you that you probably wouldn't call metal. Like probably, arguably, my favorite artist band of all time would be Pink Floyd, and all the things I love about metal apply at some point or another to uh, to Pink Floyd. Um, right. Pink Floyd's typically not aggressive like metal can be, no. and, and it's not, you know, there's not the release. I mean, I, I tried to start a mosh pit to, to <laughs> us and them, the last Pink Floyd song, and, you know, it didn't go over yeah. during the saxophone solo. But, um, <laughs> but you know, there there's that angle, and I think that was, an, as a youngster, for me, there was, you know, the aggression, honestly, that was part of the appeal. I mean, I didn't want to just yeah. hear... I was turned off by Slayer and, and stuff that was super heavy when I was really young. Right. But, you know, the aggression of it and kind of the, the, the aggressive drums. And, you know, you said something earlier about the kind of the drums sounded like a bomb. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the, the power of it was appealing. And, again, as a youngster, I think that's a huge part of the appeal of science fiction. You know, watching the Death, the Death Star blow up, watching Darth Vader, I mean, who's just the embodiment of power. I mean, that I think, again, there's a lot of the same appeals. Right. Um, you know, on a base level, but then, as as you said, I mean, there's a, there is once you delve into it, not in every single case, not with like DRI and uh, some of the moronic stuff out there, but there's also a highly intellectual level on, uh, well, at least on a lot of the stuff that we love, like Maiden, Opeth, right. Nevermore, etc. So, there you go. Yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I I was thinking, um, uh, well, two points. I did, I, did, I, I think. Uh, Pink Floyd is, is a fantastic band, and mainly because of the well, it, it's very thoughtful music. I mean, they they think about how their what their arrangement is, you know, what 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 the the story is that they want to tell, and and then how how the musical elements you know support that story, you know, it, it's and it's very well done. And then it, uh, one of the reasons I like you know Kate Bush, and again you know. I'm trying to think who was it from Pink Floyd that that uh, actually uh, helped Kate Bush uh, get her leg up in terms of a career. That was David Gilmore. Yeah, David, David Gilmore was was a big uh, uh, proponent of of Kate Bush, and uh, there's there's elements of Pink Floyd and Kate and Kate Bush music too, where it's again, you know, very thought out. It's uh, but from, from uh, in a sense to me, you know, Kate Bush has. Uh, kind of a, a metal outlook because the the themes can be extreme or or, or desperate, you know, and uh, and very you know like this woman's work, you know, is very uh, it's just soul crushing, you know, because it, it's like I believe it's about like uh, sexual abuse of a woman, mm. and uh, it's. It's it's just it's it's very deep and 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 she, you can hear like the desperation in her voice, and it and it matters. You know, it, it has it has real meaning. And uh, the the point when you were talking about the aggression, I, I was I was going to agree. You know, when when I was younger, that that's why I, I like you know the upbeat you know part of it or the uh, kind of the deterministic aspect of of heavy metal. It wasn't like oh we 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 can't you know we're we're flawed and we can't do anything about it. It was more, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to take life by, you know, by the horns and, and, and make something. 
Right, get your balls ICL. to the wall, man. Yeah, get your balls to the wall. <laughs> but I think when you kind of grow into maturity, or at least for me, the, the things that I that are uh, appealing to me now, as opposed to just you know, you know, I I like the aggressive nature of it, you know, still too, not quite to the degree when I was you know 14, but what I like now is sort of like the the more desperate nature of of the you know the the person singing you know especially with 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 my love of nevermore i mean there's this you know world sings and this you know kind of you know des- desperation and it makes it feel like it has you know real emotional depth you know and it and it's not necessarily easy music to to listen to at times but it always for me it, it always just captivates me i'm just you know entranced by you know, trying to figure out the message, and then there's the, the, he. There's a lot of it that's 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 poetry, and then there's a lot of it that's kind of parable, like modern parable, where you're trying to decode what it is you know that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's very, you know, well, very thought provoking. And and of course, I would you know I will point out, of course, you know these, I don't disagree, but of but of, you know there are zillions of examples of people outside of metal who kind of do the yep. same thing. You know, like Elliot Smith comes to mind, you know, someone who's oh yeah can kind of make you cry just with his himself on an acoustic guitar. And the, that's just the first example I can find. Like I said, there are zillions. You know, you can talk about Sinead O'Connor. Yep. You can talk about these people who could ju- just wreck you with their voice. And with the power, again, there's, you know, you don't need the, the amps turned up to 11 and crunching guitars and double bass drums going at 100 miles an hour to, to, to convey power. But of course, no. you know, you you still can. I mean, you, you, you know, it's still, it's it's a, it, it can be a shortcut. And again, lots of crap ass metal bands have come along and use that as a shortcut to convey power. Right. But then you know the bands that that stand the test of time, or I think are the bands who who's kind of sculpt that power and even sculpt noise. You know, I mean, again, right. I reference Skrillex and I reference Corn. I mean, these are two bands that really, a lot of the things that you're hearing are absolute, like they're noise. I mean, they're not notes. It's not. But but they sculpted it into rhythm and melody and and they've added a layer. I mean, Jonathan Davis actually sings with with gut wrenching, heart rending emotion at times. Yes, I think uh, you know. I think these are examples of 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 what what can be done. And again, these guys, all the people I just referenced, are on the fringes of metal: Skrillex, Corn, right. etc. But and Radiohead be someone else that comes to mind. But I think within metal, I think. I, I'm just avoiding the one because everyone around here has heard me talk about him for eight fucking years. But you know, Opeth, Iron Maiden, you know, and I've you've got me on the Loomis bandwagon, even though you know his yeah. solo stuff doesn't have any, any vocals. Of, of course, I I would say, while Satriani's not exactly metal, the things he does with his guitar are, are, are incredible. I think Rob yes. Halford of Judas Priest, you know, Judas, Judas Priest's heyday with Rob Halford's incredible vocals. I mean, these are some of the things, and of course. Where I think where a lot of the world converged around metal, and where metal gained its legitimacy and lost it at the same time, was in Metallica. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think I think that's exactly right. Metallica kind of ushered in, you know, Metallica's first three, four albums were so brilliant, so ambitious, so uh, sincere, and so heartfelt, and so, and just so well done. That you know, no one could really deny the power and the beauty on these things. And then, you know, and they when they went when they softened their sound and mainstreamed, you know, tinkered with their sound to make it more mainstream appealing. 
it worked. And now suddenly in this day and age, metal's everywhere. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't really like, like we can put on the local rock radio station and hear all kinds of metal. There's, you know, yeah. all kinds of metal out there, but I don't really like what I'm going to find in the radio now. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of hit or miss. Anyway, I, I think honestly it's better than it was because there, there was a point in time when I thought that, uh, you know, that every record company wanted uh, their metal band to be, um, oh, uh, Pearl Jam, you know. It, 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 yes. And before that, every, before that, it was Poison, yes, and Motley Crue well, before, yeah. Poison and then yeah, and then they all wanted to be uh, uh, Love Biscuit or somebody. I mean, it just it, and it, it just kind of infuriated me because it's just like it, it, those bands are fine. If you if you like those bands, that's fine. But I, I don't like the no, idea. Not of, not Limp Biscuit. That's not fine. Yeah. <laughs> just stop. All right, I'm sorry. Go on, go on. <laughs> but. Just the idea of them, you know, taking this mold and and stamping these bands out, just you know, it, it just made me mad because it, at the time it's like you don't have any other recourse to discover, you know, great bands. You know, what what great bands haven't you heard that that are being left behind because they don't fit this particular mold that they want to stamp everything in? But uh, but lately, I, I I have been listening to uh, you know like the local rock radio around here, and I have heard. Uh, there's some, you know, rock songs with guitar solos in them, you know, now. It's like, wow, listen, they're actually doing some soloing. Like, I, I thought that, you know, they, you know, blacklisted, you know, any song that had a guitar solo in there for a while. And so I, I think it's definitely, I think really with the Internet hitting and people uh, have have more access, you know, than they ever used to have, I mean, way off the chart kind of access to discover new and interesting things that, you know, these, you know, record company groups don't necessarily, you know, shape the message in a way. You know, it's like, oh, we want, we want this kind of homogenized form that we can sell to this greater demographic. So it always is going to kind of sound the same, you know, and then there isn't any innovation or, or uniqueness to it. And, 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 and you know, some, Heavy metal guys can, you know, fall into that same kind of a rut idea too, where they think that well, music can only sound like, you know, Judas Priest, you know, or and, and they're kind of guilty of the same kind of thinking, where they have to stamp things in the same mold, you know, over and over again. What I want is, you know, greater freedom and, and variety, because those are the things that that uh, that grab my attention. Right, and it's out there, you know, we can find it, you know, and actually, that's one interesting thing about metal, is that we always had to do that. You would never, yeah. when MTV was, you know, the the great filter of the universe, when it was when it was, these, when it was the one true source for music, you would never find Maiden on there. You would <laughs> never find... Tracks. <laughs> yeah, if you were lucky, right. <laughs> but, you know, yet Maiden would come around and sell out the stadium, you know, so... Yeah. Was, we were out there looking for this this alternative track of music, but um, but you know it, it was always that way for us, and, and I guess suppose it was always that way for indie for all kinds of good indie artists. But I mean now, as you said, the internet has kind of enabled those of us who want to search to find to find the stuff we like. You know, yeah. your your Nevermore story is the perfect case in point. Yeah, I would never would have known about him without the internet. So. 
But and, is, I, and I never would have met him in person without the internet either. <laughs> well, right, exactly. I mean, that's how we're connected. I mean, that's you know, that's that's how that's how we get all of our music now. Is even. yeah. Um, you know, but it, well, the last I don't, I don't want to belabor this point, but you know, it's what is funny is that you do have this these people who you know I, I talked about this when I did a little bit of a rant about sci-fi a, a couple of weeks or months ago. You know the there's still a sort of an element that kind of mocks sci-fi as like, oh, you're a bunch of nerds. You know, oh, yeah. yet you'll hear that from a guy who's standing online to go see the Spider-Man movie. You know, like, oh, yeah. you're a bunch of nerds. But um, it's the same deal, you know, with metal. You'll get someone who's, like, cranking Avenged Sevenfold, you know, and going like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> I hate metal. Metal's retarded. You got, But, yeah, they're cranking, you know. And I, 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 I single out Avenged Sevenfold because their most recent single as of 2013, I think it was, it was the Call of Duty it was off of that, that <laughs> game soundtrack. It sounds, it is almost a plagiarism of a great old Halloween song called Eagle Fly Free. And there's another one I'll recommend everyone go check out. Um, it's a great, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very, it's an aggressive song, but it's, it's his, there's no, no growling or horrible vocals. I mean, take a chance on Eagle Fly Free by Halloween. I know it sounds scary, but it's fine. And and as I said, that that event sevenfold came out. But you know, as I say, you'll get these people who will be listening to that, and then say at the same, you know, two breaths later, say like, oh, you know, medals for, for dorks with mullets, you know. But it's it's I don't know. I guess I had more. I thought I had more of a point about that. Um, so no, that's that's a good point. I, well, I, I, there was another point. I I I don't know if it dovetails into to that point or not, but it. Um, we've had the con- uh, the conversation before about um, uh, well, sort of like the Academy Awards, you know, like the a comedy will never win Best Picture, you know, kind of idea, where people take different types of emotions and then they attach some kind of you know weight to them, like like you could live without any a, a particular one, you know, mm-hmm. like. Somehow, if you if you laugh at something, isn't it's not as important than if you cried at something, or if it's not as important. Well, if you're happy versus if you're sad, and I think there's kind of there's there's sort of like like an emotional bias, you know, about music. It's like, well, you know, if 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 you like you know aggressive music, you know, like, well then 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 that's not like a valid emotion kind of a thing. Like, well, you know, aggressiveness is you know childish and and so that means that, you know, the the music must also be childish. You know, kind of an idea where it, it, there's a, a bias to it. And I think that's wrong. You know, I, I I think that you know all emotions or or feelings can be valid, and then they all of those you know things can evolve into you know the arts in different ways, and and they each can have. Um, you know, a valuable weight about them if they're done correctly. You know, if they're if they're done with real, you know, thoughtfulness, it, they can all have equal weight. And I think that there's this kind of bias where people want to, you know, pick and choose, you know, and say, well, this this is superior because, well, th- this is superior because this is a drama, not a comedy, you know, kind of a thing. And, well, right. it isn't necessarily. It's just in, in the execution. You know, what's what's the message? You know, what's the, how's, what's the execution? I mean. You know, don't prejudge it based on you know the subject. You know, judge it on how it was executed. And I, so you know, 
Well, we've talked about that before, and I, I think that kind of plays into, uh, you know, people's prejudice here and there. Yeah, well, you know, it's kind of classic snobbery, um, you know, and but I, I do think you're right. I mean, it's the same reason why, like, a movie like Die Hard would never win Best Picture. And I mean the, the original Die Hard, which actually was right. a great film. I don't mean Die, <laughs> die Harder Part 15. I mean, um, but yeah. Crank. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Crank will <laughs> Tragically, Crank will never be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the world we live in, Jack. We're just gonna have to deal with it. I guess that's the case, yes. And so, you know, and to uh, you know, to to go Leno with this, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it's uh, if it's too late, but I I understand you brought a clip. Well, I brought three clips actually. I I had uh, uh, well, the, the the first clip. I, I guess if I get to choose which one gets played in order. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, the, the first clip uh, was actually uh, from Bruce Dickinson's The Chemical Wedding album, uh, and it's a clip from The Tower. And this has a, I think I mainly just have the guitar part, but there's a guitar part <clears throat> that starts out kind of simple. I mean, well, not too simple, but it, it's a melody. And then it gets another melody kind of plays on top of it and then there's a bass part that plays under it and it kind of develops it's like all pieces kind of come together as a whole and it, and the it, to me it, it back in, in the late 90s it was kind of an epiphany for me because like well there's still this kind of music being made and it, it doesn't sound like like the hair metal you know Guitar, or it, it, it's this. There's no cliche in it. I mean, it, it just develops, and it's. Uh, um, I, I think just you know really nice. It's it, it's it's heavy metal, but it, it's it, it has form and structure, and and it, it I recommend it. So All right, first clip. And then I don't know if you want me to go ahead and describe the the next few clips. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> and you play with the okay, okay, and then the second one. Uh, was from Nevermore, uh, the Sanity Assassin, and it's basically um, Worrell singing. Uh, he, he's singing about uh, losing the sanity, but and, and, and the Sanity Assassin is sort of like this this idea of a person that comes and, and, and takes your sanity, and he sings about it in this kind of dreamy way. But the way that he sings is sort of. I, I don't think it's common in, in in most music that people listen to. I, I don't think it's it, it's presented in like a very common way. It's a very you know kind of melodramatic. It has you know kind of this you know dun 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 dun, dun you know this very uh, articulated um, uh, bass beat, and he's singing over it. And then, but the the words that he says because he's talking about you know the wash, you know the. The, the waves crashing over you and the way he says like the words he'll say like wash and the, and, the, and the way he says it sounds like water actually falling over you so there's there's like a there's a thought process when when he's singing that it's actually you, you wouldn't necessarily pick it up the first time you're listening to it and then when you start to evaluate it you you, you see that there's there's another layer of 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 uh, thought to kind of integrate the ideas, you know, into what you're hearing, and I thought it was very interesting. 
Okay, you know, and actually, I don't think I know the song. And actually, I will say that you know, I, you know, you you can punch me the next time we, you see me. But I've said this. Before, <laughs> I actually have said this about Worldane in my uh, in a review I wrote about Nevermore's last albums. That you know, he's he's definitely a super talented vocalist, but he's also a bit of a ham. You know, he's kind of the, oh yeah, he's kind of the Shatner of uh, metal vocalists. So <laughs> I could see, yeah, I could see how he can kind of over dramatize and and. Sometimes you know that that comes across, and you kind of snicker because it's it's so it's like Manowar level of cheese. But sometimes, again, and actually, Manowar is a perfect example because sometimes yeah. it just sometimes it just works. I, uh, I think it, it it definitely for for me it, it definitely works. And and, and of course, it, you might be taken aback the first time you hear it. It's just like whoa, what's this guy? <laughs> but you know, in, in in popular music, I mean, if you really take the same kind of idea. I mean, there's there's singers in popular music where you could make the same case, you know, about like, whoa, what was, why is that guy singing that way, you know? Right. So I I I, I don't think it's just it's necessarily unique to him. I mean, it's a, it's a, he's a, a unique vocalist, and mm-hmm. and you either really just love him or you know, maybe he's not your cup of tea. But no, I, I, but like I do him, think it, it's yeah. interesting. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Right, and, and of course you're right. I mean, you got like the Steven Tyler's and Billy Joel's who are yep. who are super super hams, and you know, <laughs> and they may not even know that the joke is that we're laughing at them and not with them. All right, so and then the final clip was uh, the end of uh, "We Disintegrate," which is the part of, and it's it's mostly instrumental, but it it's it, it's the piece of music that made me. It's it's my aha moment with, with Nevermore, where I thought, oh, there's there's a greater thought press process going on than I originally gave him credit for, and I, it, it it gives me chills when I listen to it. It sounds almost like a, a heavy mu- uh, uh, movie soundtrack kind of a thing going on. Oh, very nice. You know, actually, and I'll say again, I that's not coming to mind, so I look forward to hearing it. I'm sure I've heard the song, so I look forward to kind of getting your take on it. Um, and I would say that the Nevermore segment not even I think it's a good song the, the song This Godless Endeavor it's the name of the album yes. the, the title track is a good song but there's one solo which actually I, I you know I, I've over the years I've put out some some dead some musical mashes on Deadpan uh-huh. and actually one of the things I cribbed was that solo and I threw it into uh, one of the, the musical mashes I've done because it's it is this thing that kind of one day it earwormed into my brain and, and it just went like wow that is really an incredibly brilliant little uh, passage, and you know, it's maybe a couple of measures, but you know, the thing yeah. is really, and again, that's Jeff Loomis on guitar, but you know, what he's put together is, is, is you know, Bach. It's almost like a Bach, a, a, you know, Bach level of 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 brilliance to a kind of a fugue, like a heavy fugue, and it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's great stuff. So I, I that's I've had I guess similar, maybe not exactly the same, but a similar reaction. Um, but I think that's a, that's a good you know that's a good way to kind of round it up I think because you you start off talking about how the that segment of we disintegrate had really kind of gripped you yeah so I think um, and plus you know we've been going for over fifty minutes so I, I think that's probably yeah. <laughs> that's probably I mean I know we could you know continue on another fifty minutes but it might be more than a, your listeners could bear <laughs> right and you know you and I have we've we've Brett and I have gone to see Maiden a couple of times we've seen other other concerts together and yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think you know 
the whole time before and after the concert, we've you know this that's kind of what you guys were hearing is you know Rhett and me in the car on the way to the Iron Maiden concert. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I I think it's been a lot of fun. I think we have, you know, even those of you out there who aren't metal fans, um, you know, that's been a, a kind of a thread through here. You know, when I had John Joseph Adams on, who's now a big shot in pub in sci-fi publishing, you know, one of the major conversation threads was was metal. I mean, he loves all the like in flames and all the stuff that gets really, really heavy. Yep. Um, of course, I had Jennifer Batten on. We had Rusty Cooley on, and yep. uh, and of course, Rich Catino has been a multiple a repeat guest with uh, you know the Metal Asylum website. Um, so I, I think that's been a consistent thing around Dead Pan. It's been good to it's good to have you on and to talk about this before the end, right? Because you know you this again, yeah. something you and I have really connected about. You know, in addition to Blade Runner and other other stuff that we've connected about, I think yeah, Blade stuff. Runner hockey. Yes, <laughs> yes. Coincidentally, sitting a couple of rows apart at the Coyotes game, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I appreciate you coming on and giving your insight. And I, I tried to, uh, yeah. You know, I, I have I have very strong opinions on this myself. I tried to kind of not jump in too much. I had to jump in with Vinny Vincent Invasion. I mean, you have to go out and watch this video. <laughs> it's just, it's just appalling, and and it's a. Uh, yeah, but you know, yet somehow it's it's it does work in some weird way. I mean, that's not a good album, and I don't, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't really defend that as a, as a quality piece of music, but yet it somehow still works. Um, and it's it's just fascinating. It's it's like I said, the the convergence of you know parental offenses circa 1985 yeah. or whatever. It's just it's fascinating how they crammed so many. Like I'm disappointed. Yeah. That they didn't throw a pentagram in there or something because you know they really. <laughs> they, that was it's, the, a, it's a snapshot in time. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm saying you know the Satanism was the one thing they left untouched. You know that people find offensive <laughs> about about this music. Um, anyway, so I I do want to say I appreciate you coming on and sharing your uh, yeah sharing your Kate Bush with us and um yes <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> and uh, yeah and I'll, Kate <laughs> yes. The rubber band. That's actually there's a non-metal thing you have to go out and check out. That's the the most. I mean, you'll trust me. You didn't drop acid. It's just the song is just that weird. <laughs> it's very trippy. Yeah. Very but, trippy. Oh, I was gonna say if if you want to listen to a, a Kate Bush song that I think is um is fairly metal, I, I think uh, was it Rocket Tail? I think that has a very it, it, no metal guitars, but the uh, the way it's presented is, is very metal, in my opinion. Very metal, just like uh, Vivian on the Young Ones. Yep. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thank you, Red. Uh, it's been uh, yeah. I better hang out, motherfucker. I know where you live. So after yeah, we'll do. We will continue to hang out and uh, and again, you know, I greatly appreciate you coming on and, and talking metal with me, man. All right. Well, thanks again. It was okay. fun. Yes. Up the irons.
Barada, Nikto, Nick Tate. 